And the Soviets were not about to sit idly by as their chief adversary developed such a novel and versatile spacecraft as the shuttle. No, no, they were trying to build one themselves. Or so reported the leading aviation trade rag. In that bygone era of a world without the internet, it was Aviation Week and Space Technology, widely known as AvLeak for its probing and detailed coverage, that served as our most reliable source for information on the deeply secretive Soviet space program. It was also widely rumored that the Soviets valued the insights it gave them into U.S. military and space plans so highly that 50 copies went straight off the press into the diplomatic pouch bound for Moscow the next day. I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at kathysullivanexplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to kathysullivanexplores.com. Cold War Cat and Mouse, American Astronauts Meet Russian Cosmonauts. Astronauts do much more than just prepare for and flying in space. As NASA's best ambassadors, they're frequently doing public appearances and media interviews around the country, and are even deployed occasionally to represent the United States on foreign soil. My first such foreign assignment came in the summer of 1985. Along with P.J. Weitz and Dale Gardner, I was assigned to the U.S. delegation attending the Paris Air Show. This renowned event is the largest air show and aerospace industry exhibition event in the world, as measured by the number of exhibitors and the size of the exhibit space. The Paris Show is a prized assignment among astronauts, needless to say, and I was delighted both to be representing the United States and to spend time in one of my favorite European cities. But our assignment turned out to have an unexpected and rather spy novel-like dimension. Here's the background. The shuttle program was going strong in the middle of 1985. We had pulled off several complex and dramatic missions the year before, with astronauts flying jetpacks far away from the shuttle, snatching satellites from the sky and repairing them in flight. All of this was beamed live to television sets around the world. It seemed the shuttle was well on the way to living up to its billing as a versatile and reliable craft that would shuttle frequently from the surface of the planet to low Earth orbit. These were still the Cold War years, of course, defined by the tense superpower standoff between the United States and the Soviet Union. And the Soviets were not about to sit idly by as their chief adversary developed such a novel and versatile spacecraft as the shuttle. No, no, they were trying to build one themselves. Or so reported the leading aviation trade rag. 
In that bygone era of a world without the internet, it was Aviation Week and Space Technology, widely known as AvLeak for its probing and detailed coverage, that served as our most reliable source for information on the deeply secretive Soviet space program. It was also widely rumored that the Soviets valued the insights it gave them into U.S. military and space plans so highly that 50 copies went straight off the press into the diplomatic pouch bound for Moscow the next day. The air show was a whirlwind of activity for the three of us, out to the side in the wee hours of the morning to beat the crowds, greeting dignitaries at the U.S. pavilion, briefing visitors on the shuttle and U.S. space plans, and watching amazing flight demonstrations right until the gates closed. Each very long day was both exhilarating and exhausting, especially in a hot Paris summer. But there was something else afoot. We had heard that a couple of Soviet cosmonauts would be at the air show, and rumor was that one of them, Igor Volk, was slated to pilot the first mission of the Soviet Buran space shuttle. As far as I knew when we left for Paris, there wasn't any hope of meeting Igor or his colleague Sasha Serbrov. In fact, we'd been instructed to not even be seen with anyone from the Soviet delegation because the U.S. and Soviet Union had broken off diplomatic relations over the war in Afghanistan. Talking with them might be seen as a sign that U.S. resolve was wavering and give the Soviets a PR coup. Then, a few days into the show, the senior NASA official leading our delegation took us aside to tell us that we now had official blessing to meet with him, but in absolute secrecy, and he had hatched a plan to make it happen. We'd come out to the air show site even earlier than usual the next day and go straight to the French pavilion, entering this time through a back door. Igor and Sasha would arrive separately a little bit later and come in through a discreet side door. Then we could talk without the prying eyes of the media or anyone else knowing. The plan for the meeting itself was simple. We'd have about an hour to talk together over coffee and croissants. Besides comparing our spaceflight experiences, all three of us were instructed to learn as much as we could about the Soviet's Buran shuttle. How far along was the design? What technical challenges were they facing? Had a date been set for its first flight? Was Igor really slated to pilot it? I really felt like I had been beamed into a spy novel the next day as we hustled through the early morning light to our back door entrance. Igor and Sasha indeed arrived a few minutes later, and out of nowhere someone appeared to herd us to a small reception area with a couple of sofas and the promised coffee. Not that I really needed a coffee hit that morning. None of us spoke Russian, but we knew Sasha's English was pretty good. Igor's turned out to be a bit clunkier, but serviceable. Now, I was as curious about the Brown as Dale and PJ, but I found myself instead sitting on a separate sofa with Sasha, connecting scientist to scientist about our experiences living in orbit and dreams of going to Mars. And it became immediately clear to me that our Soviet friends had arrived with a very clear agenda themselves. To pair Igor with the two American astronauts who knew the most about how the shuttle flew. PJ, who had piloted the sixth shuttle mission, and Dale, who was one of the best flight engineers in the program. Just how pointed the Soviet agenda for our meeting was became clear when the three of us compared notes later on. Igor had boldly gone to drilling right in on the trickiest part of a shuttle's re-entry, the point where it transitions from hypersonic speeds and essentially dropping on a ballistic arc into flying like an airplane. 
and he probed Dale and PJ for every detail about exactly how we had handled that on the shuttle. And they, in turn, with military backgrounds that no doubt attuned them to gathering intelligence about an adversary, they did their best to turn every one of his questions into a way to get more information about the Buran. They played quite the chess match, while Sasha and I simply enjoyed the chance to share a quiet breakfast, reminiscing about our flights and dreams for the future. This was my first exposure to the cat-and-mouse intelligence game that was, and really still is, always going on between the United States and the USSR. At the time, it seemed to me to just be a fascinating clandestine meeting, but I've since wondered how much more was going on than I knew, even among the three of us astronauts. Like I said, as military officers, Dale and PJ surely knew more about the great game of intelligence gathering than I did. Had they been briefed on what to expect? and what both NASA and the Air Force most wanted to know about the Buran? And was Sasha's getting me off to the side a deliberate ploy, perhaps, to ensure that Igor could pick my colleagues' brains undisturbed? I'll never know. But I would think about all this again two years later, when I was the only official status astronaut in the U.S. delegation to the Sputnik 30th anniversary festival that the Soviets put on in Moscow. That trip would include a special briefing for me to prepare me for being a target of Soviet intelligence. I'll tell you more about that in a future episode, so keep an eye out for that. Now, Explorer, you may never be a pawn on the intelligence chessboard, but I think this tale still offers a few points you might ponder. Not least that it's always worthwhile navigating difficult conversations with the richest possible awareness of the many agendas that may be in play, the part you play in the agenda of others, and what makes those other parties tick. So the trick, then, is how to somehow arm yourself with that awareness. This will help you know how adversarial or possibly collaborative the situation is likely to be and give you the best chance of achieving your objectives. Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, Along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplorers.com.